Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. Thank you very much for joining me. This morning I get to speak with author Steve Matthews and this is another one, but gosh, am I excited. I read and loved the Hitler's trilogy. It starts off with Hitler's Assassin, Hitler's Brothel and then Hitler's Resurrection. It's a great trilogy and I think you classify it as historical thriller rather than historical fiction. You are on the edge of your seat and it is graphic. It is more graphic than what I would normally read. It's a lot scarier than what I would normally be comfortable reading but I'm super glad that I read it and could not be more excited to speak with Steve today. Steve is a member of the Readable community and I'm not going to apologise for interviewing him on my podcast for it. I would be so interested in speaking with him regardless but the fact that we are friends does make me feel like insider trading but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. (laughs) We will talk a little bit about that here as well I hope. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and I've been looking forward to it for a long time now so I can't wait to get started. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Smiley. Oh, oh you. <laughs> I love your pictures on Facebook and all those pictures. <laughs> I end up smiling like a buffoon. No, you don't. You look lovely when you smile. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I couldn't you be more do. excited. No, I'm so. not the only one to say that either. <laughs> I loved this book, but I know that you are busy and so I really do appreciate it, Mr. Steve. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure. Can you tell us, please, a little bit about Hitler's Resurrection? I'm so glad to finish this trilogy off. It was wonderful. Uh, uh, did you like the ending? Yes. I didn't see that coming, though. Uh, well, some people have said they saw it coming. The most comments I've had about Resurrection are that it was a bit too graphic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It really shocked people. I thought Hitler's brothel was pretty graphic with some of the uh, the SS scenes. But uh, some people found it a little bit hard to read the last book. So that's quite interesting that didn't that get that reaction at all. I don't know whether I'm just getting more accustomed to the thrilling feels or... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I was... Yeah, I, yeah I wrestled with that bit. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. the, the woman did that did that actually did that in the concentration camp, so I felt I had to put that in. Well, yeah, I, this is... It's not just dreamt up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I must say, though... And I'm not a historian, so I'm not an expert on the Second World War, certainly not on the Holocaust, but I've read a lot. Well, I was I've saying that in my introduction. It's you never at one point feel like you're in a history lecture or, you know, year nine history. You do feel like you're just sitting down having a coffee with somebody telling you an unbelievable story. And I think that you've got a really great style for bringing the history alive and really making what would it feel like then? What were they doing then? Yeah, I think it's probably great Thank that you. you're not a historian, not a former <laughs> historian. Yeah, historians may argue some of the facts, but, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting when I was doing the research was there were so many contradictions. There were so many so-called experts out there Mm. voicing their opinion and giving statistics about this, that and the other and what happened to certain people and all those things combined. And it was a minefield and I just had to pick my way through it. 
And I've obviously had to change timelines and a few things to suit the story. And that's what novelists mm-hmm. do, of course. Of course. Yeah, and, that's right. It's a historical thriller, isn't it? Like, of course it's not. Yeah, but it's more, all three books really are more thrillers than they are historical documents as such. Yes, absolutely. And, and I need them to be read that way. Yes, but they are, yeah. though, with the, with the style that you've got, you really are just turning the pages. These are thrillers. These are a thriller novel. You're not highlighting it for the dates and the exam questions that are coming up. You're right there alongside it. You've been put in a situation. It's Yeah, that's what I wanted readers to visualise themselves in the characters' shoes, especially mm-hmm. Anna's. Yeah. Uh, in the first book. Yes. And, uh, you know, I wanted them to close the last page and say, oh, my God, what would I do? Yeah, which you are. And, uh, right from the first page, that's what, you, what you're thinking. Yeah, of. yeah. And that was the idea, really, of all three books, was to highlight the strength of women in extraordinary circumstances. And yeah. you're very interesting creatures, you women. <laughs> I, I, like, I like writing about women. I'm, I'm married to a very strong woman and... Both my mum and my mother-in-law have passed, sadly, but they were amazing old mm-hmm. birds. I loved them yeah. both to bits. And uh, I really admire that in women. You, you get the rough end of the stick a lot of the time in life. It's a hard life. Being a mum and a working and all the different things that wives get involved in. That sounds patronising. It's not meant to be. No, um, it doesn't sound patronising at all. Yeah, Because I've observed it around me yeah. with the women that I admire most. So uh, I wanted to really pay tribute to that in a way. Well, I certainly got that sense from reading Hitler's Resurrection as well, all the way through the trilogy, actually. And so I read Hitler's Assassin because you were featured on Claudine's podcast. I love talking Aussie books. Oh, <laughs> she she's terrific, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. unbelievable. Such a... I met her for the first time at your place. Oh, was that the first time? Oh, I yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd spoken to her heaps of times, Yeah, um, but I'd never met her. So that was so nice that she oh. made the come in and is yeah. that the first yeah. time you'd met her oh she probably at that stage had just been in for a couple of author events that we had in common and yeah she's a powerhouse i just love her love her believe that was our favorite bookshop oh thank i just you loved so it i loved the way you ran it and the food was so good and the atmosphere was good and the, oh, the customers I think coffee and books go so well together and you're so right i had the best community you're not really buying a book every day but you certainly are buying a cup of coffee every day yeah <laughs> um you really got to know people so well because of the coffee yeah. and the book combo so you knew what books they liked and you got to see them really quite regularly and so you're constantly mm. in touch and finding out what part of the book they're up to now what they're liking what they're not liking like it's such a good short hand to really connect with somebody <laughs> yeah and you're very personable Anna you should be involved in this type of thing mm. everybody's gonna try harder thanks <laughs> <laughs> and I love that by the way it's a great site you we're just about to launch the forum section so that we can all get in there and talk about the books that we're reading rather than just me grandstanding on the ones that I've just read it's gonna be great join in that we created it with you in mind, actually, Mr. Steve, like people who are a member of the community but don't have time for another book club. Great Thank concept. You. Thank you very much. Online. So I've read Hitler's Assassin because of talking Aussie books, and then I read Skinny Girl. At first I was shocked and amazed that it was the same author for both, but I think very quickly that's exactly what you've got in common for both. It's the love of women, really, and it's the highlighting of what a woman will do up against the wall. Could you talk to me a little bit about that, please? Like You clearly love women. Yeah, I'm not your typical blokey Aussie male, so if we 
we go to a party or a barbecue or something, I'm with the girls. I we like all the, the gossip. Stories. Yeah, I like the gossip and the dirty talk. Girls talk dirty <laughs> as boys. They get a wine in them, away we go, and it's really good company. So as I say, my mum was a really strong woman, and she grew up in Africa. And uh, my father was in the military and he was posted to Africa and that's where they met. And then his contract with the military expired. So they sent him back to the UK and he was married by that time with my mum and, and I had an elder brother at that time. And their marriage broke up after a couple of years because my mum was, she was French, but she was brought up in Africa mm-hmm. with servants. She didn't know how to boil an egg, Anna. Poor soul. No, she didn't. She didn't know. But she wouldn't. You... And my dad was a staff sergeant, which is like a sort of sergeant major in the army. Mm-hmm. So he was spit and polish. And he went to an army boarding school at the age of seven, the same one my granddad went to, a fairly famous one in the UK called the Duke of York's. Oh, and right. he was a boarder there when my granddad went. So from the age of seven, he was basically in the army. Mm. And when his term ran out as a staff sergeant, the army took him back to the UK because he was a metallurgist. He dealt with metals and tanks and stuff like that. And he was under contract at the College of Science in the UK. And the marriage broke up because he expected things done, boom, boom, boom. And of course, my mum couldn't do it. She had no idea how to do it. And my mum and dad separated when I was six And for whatever reason, my dad kept us apart. So he didn't allow any correspondence or birthday cards, no Christmas cards. My mum was in America and I think he was worried that we'd want to go to America. Yeah. And eventually I traced my mum and came out to Australia. She was in Australia then. And my son had his sixth birthday at my mum's house when we had our reunion. So I was six when she last saw me. And James was six when he first met my mum. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that really is. But I'm sure we wouldn't do it like that these days, I don't think. We've come a long way when it comes to divorce and separating. I think what a cruel thing for your dad to have done. I'm sure his intentions were honourable and he wouldn't have wanted you to get confused or want to go to America and then he loses you. That's right. He didn't want us pulled two ways, basically. And I suppose the divorce was full of animosity. I don't know, because my dad would never speak of it and nor would my mum when we reunited. But my mum did say that before she actually left for America, she used to go and stand at the school gates sort of disguised, you know, with a scarf on and things. So we didn't know she was there and and watch us in the playground, all that. It was so sad. And she kept faith all those years. She said, I knew you'd find me. And when I eventually met her, obviously it was love at second sight. Yeah. And she was just an amazing, funny beautiful woman she used to when we were kids i remember if we went into a supermarket she'd be singing and waltzing down the aisle with her (laughs) really out there i I remember once this was in australia where we went to a checkout the young lady at the checkout was really miserable she'd obviously been offended or was having a bad day or something my mum said to her you having a bad day dear and the checkout girl just looked at her and my mum said it shows why don't you keep it to yourself (laughs) She said it with a grin and and she said it beautifully and it actually chirped the girl up a a little bit. So she was a bit forthright, but she was also people's best interests. So she's probably the strongest woman that I've met. And Diane's was also a very, very strong woman who 
perhaps sacrifice things that she wanted to do in life because she had a lot of kids and a husband and work and all those sort of things. And it was only in the latter part of her life that she started talking to Diane and I about how much she had sort of sacrificed and pushed aside to try and be the best mum and best wife. Yeah, good woman. So I really like that. I like that a lot and I admire it immensely and then of course there's Daisy skinny girl, skinny girl. Yes. yeah who is admirable as well because she woke up one day and said I'm not and happy that's yeah absolutely and I don't want to die unhappy yeah massive thing that she did and yeah. to walk out after 25 years so yeah. all those women you're wonderful creatures <laughs> lovely I think so with Hitler's trilogy, you really can read any of them really as standalone novels, which I really appreciate because sometimes you just don't have the time for a whole trilogy. Or although I think that this one is definitely, I'm so glad that I read the three in the row and mm-hmm. have completed the the scariness of the trilogy. But I think so Dave, my partner, has only read Brothel, but I think he'll go back and read Hitler's Assassin. I think you'll really like the Hitler's Resurrection next up as well. I think you, they're really great standalone novels as well they're not just one book in three parts yeah the second and third book assassins and resurrections really sort of follow on each mm. other in a way and the the arc of the characters is continued into the second book but you're right you could you could sort of read them although in the third book there's one or two references yes. to the second book events, yeah. but but they were war events anyway that everyone's yeah. familiar with I think so. Mm. I think you could definitely read any or all of them and in order mm. or out of Because it's always nice to see a developed character and then watch later on how they got to be that person. I like that. Mm. So I had some great fun with some of Hitler's inner circle investigating them. And I wondered this, yeah. But total nutballs. It was like a perfect storm, all of them coming together. Hermann Goering was a fascinating fellow. And the bit, I, I can't remember what book it's in now, about his brother. I think that's in the second book. I think that's book. in the second, yes. Yeah, that was actually true. His brother, Albert Goring, helped Jews escape over the border to Switzerland, and he financed it through his own personal wealth. And after the war, he was arrested by the Allies because he was called Goring. Yeah. And they kept him in prison, and they were trying to pin something on him, but they couldn't pin anything on him. So eventually they let him go. And uh, by that time, all his business interests has failed and he was penniless. And it's a bit like Oscar Schindler, the real Oscar yes, Schindler. Yes, that's what I thought it? too, yeah. Yeah, because in real life, the Jewish community got together and financed Oscar Schindler's life, kept him alive, paid his rent, that sort of thing. And they also did that with Albert Goering. Wow. So him as a character, is he's very Oscar Schindler-esque. Yeah. But he was amazing. You know, he kept lion cubs in his house. And when they got too big, off they went. I don't know where they went. And uh, he got more lion cubs. And he had something in common with Rod Stewart, would you believe? Oh, what did, did he have know, in common? What, did you know that Rod Stewart's hobby is model railways? Oh, I did huge not. model railway enthusiast. And when he goes on tour, he gets a suite, obviously, because he's Rod Stewart. But he actually gets two suites adjoining. And the one next to him, all his model railway equipment is put in there so he can make the little houses and little trees and all those things. That's how he relaxes. And oh, that's, that's what Herman Goring did. Yeah, in the loft at his house, Karen Hall, was this massive railway set. And he used to put on railway overalls and a little hat. <laughs> 
and a little whistle and he used to go out there and play with his model trains when he wasn't killing people. Yeah, killing people. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm always flabbergasted by the fact that Adolf Hitler was a animal lover. I just cannot reconcile myself to somebody being... I read somewhere in the research that the first law that the Nazi party passed when they came to power was against cruelty to animals. It's that just mind blowing, isn't it? I read it? that somewhere. I don't know if that's true, but it came up in... You think anybody who mm. can empathise with an animal can certainly empathise with a fellow human being, but it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? They're such complex people. They were immensely clever, though, Anna. I mean, Joseph Goebbels was yeah. the sort of advertising bloke, and he was immensely clever. When the Nazis came to power, he took over all the film industry, all the radio industry, everything. He got manufactured these very, very cheap radio sets that went to every house in occupied Germany and Poland, wherever, could only pick up one station, and that was the, the Nazi party. Nazi one. Station. Yeah. I mean, how clever was that? Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, talk about brainwashing. He arranged for Hitler to receive royalties on postage stamps. So every time Hitler's picture appeared on a postage stamp, and he was on every single German postage yeah, stamp, was, he got a, a few cents or whatever the currency was. And by today's standards, they say he was a billionaire, Hitler. He was immensely wealthy, but I can't find out what happened to his money. Oh, wow. The next book, perhaps. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. He must have had bank accounts and yeah, he had course. gold stashed away and all that. But Goebbels was an absolute genius and he was a mad bonker as well. He, <laughs> he, had, a, he had affairs with all the leading ladies, the casting couch. He must have invented it, I reckon. Yeah, right. And uh, some of these ladies were married and when their husbands found out, he had them put in concentration camps so he could carry on his affairs with the ladies until he was finished with them and moved on to the next one. I mean, he was not an attractive man, but he was a very powerful man. How Hitler, women swooning and fainting at his good looks and he's not a good looking man. No, no, it's a power Propaganda. thing. Yeah. It's really interesting. Is that is that attractive in, in men? Anna, come on. No. <laughs> I know. You like bagpipers, I know. <laughs> Some women do like power. Yeah. And uh, look at Mr. Trump and his mm. array of beautiful wives. I mean, they're certainly not with him because of his looks. But it is incredible, though, the fact that all of these men came at the same time. It was a perfect storm where all of these people just lined up together, but all of them were so necessary to create World War II. It's just mind-blowing, yeah. isn't it? Like- yeah, it's absolutely astounding. Himmler was another interesting bloke. I mean, he was a failed chicken farmer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he had I a chicken he was, farm. I knew that he was a failed businessman. I didn't realise it was chicken yeah. farms that he failed at. He just had a chicken farm. And then when the business failed, I think he was bankrupt, so he started selling the chicken poo as fertiliser. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of wandering around wherever he lived at the time trying to sell this fertilizer. And he sort of stumbled upon Hitler speech, you know, where Hitler was in one of the beer halls or yep. something. And from there, he just rose to power. I mean, he was in charge of the SS and Hitler's yeah. personal guard and overall responsibility for the concentration camps and the transport of Jews and all those terrible things. And this bloke was a failed chicken farmer. Yeah. He was a total yeah. nutter. Yeah. A- absolutely. He had in the brothels, he had the homosexual prisoners 
sent into the brothels once a week to try and cure them of their homosexuality. They got three passes into the brothels. I mean, and and he um, believed that Buddha was German. 1938, he sent a party of senior SS people all around Asia to try and prove that Buddha was German. My goodness. I think they also wasted a lot of time and money trying <laughs> to be able to use dog fires. I don't know what it was, uh, but it just, uh, you wouldn't know if they had have discovered, you know, the elixir for life. They were just experimenting on anything and everything, like weirdest yeah. things. But they're all basket cases. So they were great fun to write about. And, and again, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful from a writer's viewpoint and from a, a historical fiction viewpoint. They were good fun to write about. Picking well, they were mad, were, weren't they? But just, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. How strange that we're all allies now. Japan, Germany, America, the Brits, Australia. I mean, we're all mates. How weird is that? Yeah, I know. No. So different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think normal human beings who haven't been involved in a frontline situation we can never understand what these people go through yeah just absolutely we just never understand it i've just finished a book about the first world war which my granddad was in i've written about a battle he was in and when i was writing it i thought oh my god he was in a trench and then someone blew a whistle and Mm. he had to run towards german machine guns I mean, where do these people get their courage? The same thing in Afghanistan. Mm. I mean, they're searching these what look like to Mm. us like derelict villages and the Taliban, whoever's hiding in the back of them. And they've got to make split decisions to work out whether they're going to live or die. And Mm. so what are you going to be reading next? Is it Hori's War about the little dog in? Yeah, Hori the War Dog. Have you read that? No, I haven't. I've actually got it on my shelf waiting to read. I love dog stories. Read it, read it, read it. It's brilliant and it's beautifully written and I can't remember the author's name off the top of no. my head. Um, he also wrote Bill the Bastard about the horse. I read Bill books. the Bastard and I loved that book. So same author yeah. and the dog story is absolutely Excellent. brilliant. And It's like you're sat with the bloke and he's just telling you the story. Oh, that's wonderful. I love those stories. It's a brilliant book. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to expedite it. That's such a great recommendation. Thank you very much, Mr. Steve. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk to me about Hitler's resurrection. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.